0: earlier larry had mentioned about just the uh the expression that i have watching the children sing he was not looking closely at debbie and me because we were smiling to them as well but for a very different reason did they strike you as angelic the little ones do it's a little bigger stretch with the guys singing but they sang a very important message The message that the angels brought on that announcement to the shepherds. And when that announcement was made, a very, very important message was being communicated. And that message brought with it a message to dispel their fear. If you look back once again to this same chapter where we had read earlier, notice how when the angel appeared, the shepherds were very, very much afraid It seems that in almost every situation where the angels appear, and there are a number of different situations in the Scriptures where angels appear, there is a vision, essentially, of a person being able to look into the realm of the supernatural. When the angel appeared to Zacharias, the angel had to announce, Don't be afraid. When the angel appeared to Mary, the angel told Mary, Do not fear. When the Apostle Paul was approached by this bright shining light from the heavens, do not be afraid. And here, as the shepherds were out in the field tending their sheep, an angel appears to them. And I would suspect you and I would have experienced a great deal of fear as well. Suddenly, there is this angel. And as the Scripture says, this was not a gradual appearance. Suddenly, suddenly this angel appeared, and then following that, a great great host of other angels came and spoke to them. And we read there in verse 9, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. That's one of the great messages of this season of the year when we think about the things that lie before us, what we anticipate can bring a great deal of fear. We don't know the future. We don't know what the future is going to hold. And there are occasions where perhaps we are looking at a disease and the implications of what that could bring. Maybe we're looking at the imminent passing of a loved one maybe it's an issue that's related to finances and possibly even the loss of a of a house do not be afraid we have a tendency to fear what the future holds we have a tendency to fear what eternity holds what is eternity going to be like What will things be like when I spend all of forever either with the Lord or separated from Him? What is the judgment going to be like when I stand before the Creator of the universe and I have to give an account for myself? As a believer, giving account Before the one who sits upon the judgment seat, the place of reward, will I be given rewards. As an unbeliever at the great white throne, where my works will be judged, and if my name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, I will be cast into the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. What will judgment be like? How in the world can you and I say today, in light of the things that we know lie before us, there is a future before us. There is an eternity before us. There is a judgment before us. How can the message come to us today, in the 21st century, that says, Do not be afraid. I can tell you the reason we do not need to fear is because we know who holds the future. And regardless of the circumstances that come into our lives, we have one who is in control of everything that will be unfolding. And he makes this promise to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He says, I will cause everything that comes into your life, whether it is loss, whether it is sorrow, whether it is failure or if it is success and it's joy and it's all sorts of good things, I will cause all of those things to work together ultimately for your good. Do not be afraid. That was the first message that the angel brought. The second message that the angel brought was a message of hope. And I want you to look with me, if you will, as we go down in these verses a little bit further. At verse 10, we read this in the second part of that verse. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I bring you good news. Why was that such a big deal to these shepherds? Well, you have to understand the circumstances in which the shepherds were living. These guys were the poorest of the poor. They would have been considered in many ways uh, as we would look upon a homeless individual. They stayed out in the fields, and there were a variety of reasons for that. They didn't really have other places to go. So they stayed in the fields with their sheep. They were known to be somewhat um, dishonest in their dealings. They would not always they, they were the kind of people you didn't count on to give testimony at trial because they would be discredited as shepherds they were they were individuals who had not had much good news in their lives they were living under a political system that was very oppressive they were under the authority not merely of the jewish leaders but they were under the authority of rome and in this day in which they lived there was not much good news they would hear about new battles taking place they would hear about insurrection Insurrectionists who were, who were rising up against the Roman rule. They would hear about the different soldiers coming into their areas and requiring additional taxes from them. They had encountered a life that was not filled with good news, and yet the angel come and says to them, I bring you glad tidings. And the message that this angel brought was something that transcended all of the experiences of their life at that point. He said, going on in that message, he says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. How could there be a joyful spirit at a time like this among a people such as these shepherds? And the angel says to them, This message that I'm bringing to you is one of joy. Where is that joy? The joy was not going to be because their circumstances changed. They were not suddenly set free from all of the difficulties that came about by virtue of their position in life. They were not going to be set free from the dominion of the Romans. They were not going to enjoy a freedom that they had not experienced up to that point. The joy that was being spoken of by this angel was a joy that would be from within. It was a joy that came about knowing this, that in spite of the circumstances of my life, in spite of what I see going on around me, I can be at peace with my Creator. I can have a joyful heart because the reason for which I have been created can be fulfilled by virtue of this little one who has come now in flesh, who ultimately will live a perfectly sinless life, go to the cross, die for my sins, take the punishment that I deserve, and through Him, my sins can be forgiven, and my relationship with my Creator can be restored, so that not only do I enjoy the benefits of life here and now, but I have the absolute assurance of my spending all eternity with my Creator. I bring you... Glad tidings. I bring you good news. Of great joy. That shall be to all people. A message of joy. That message that the angel brought was a message to dispel fear. It was a message of hope. And in that hope, there was good news. That was joyful news. That was inclusive news. If you look back at this portion once again, you'll notice at the end of verse 10 it says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people it's incredible that this announcement of the birth of Christ came initially to these lowliest of the low. And there was a reason for that. The reason for which that announcement was made to shepherds was there weren't people lower than they were. It means that people from every station in life can come to Christ. When I look at the homeless people out that we pass on the road, Do you know that Jesus Christ came to die for them? Do you understand that? And then from time to time we will have a visit from a president. And the roads are all blocked. And the airport is closed down except for the arrival of Air Force One. And that man comes off the plane. And I look at that man and I say, Jesus Christ died for you too. And from the lowliest of the low to the highest of the high, the message of salvation and life is available to all. This morning I was a little bit impressed as I was greeting folks by the reality of something that's part of our church all the time. Christ came to die for people from every, every nation. If, if, if I could do this, I, I wish I could and I'm not even going to try, but right now I'm speaking to you in English. How many of you understand that? Oh, my goodness. Some of you do not understand a thing that I've been saying. What in the world are you doing here? (laughs) How many of you would like it if I would speak in French? Ah, yeah. How many of you would like it if I spoke in German? Oh, my goodness. There's some Germans in here, too. How many of you would like it if I spoke in Creole? Oh, a bunch in Creole, okay. How about... How about if I spoke in Portuguese? Very good. What else would you like to hear the message in? Oh, I forgot Spanish. How can I forget Spanish? Ah, Como está? Ah, all right. Let's close in prayer. (laughs) That, That would be it. I would have nothing more to say. But but I look at this, and from every station in life, and from every experience, and from every nationality. Jesus Christ came to this earth to bring us a message of hope, good news. We can be joyful because a Savior has come who can rescue us from no matter where we come from, no matter what our circumstances, Jesus Christ came to reach us all. That's a message of hope for everyone. This was not only a message that would dispel fear and bring hope, but it was also a message of fulfillment. You see, from the very creation of the universe, God had announced that a deliverer would come. He had made that promise to Adam and Eve after their fall. He had announced later through the prophets that there would be one coming who would bring justice to To the earth. And we look around us now and we realize there really is not full justice. We do our best to bring about just decisions in legal matters and so forth, but justice is not in control. There would be one that one day would bring complete, full justice, there would be one who would ultimately die on the cross and shed his blood so that by his death, we could have our debt of sin paid for. The promise was made that the sacrifice that was offered by Jesus Christ was far greater than a sacrifice that would be limited to just the Jewish nation. But the prophet Isaiah himself, a Jew, said that the benefits of the death of Christ would reach to all nations. It is not enough for him to die merely for the Jews, but for all of the Gentiles as well. And I'm really glad, because that included me, and it includes you. And then he told us the day would come in which this Savior would rise from the dead, and he would return and set up a kingdom in which righteousness would be the rule of the day and he himself would be the king. Most of those prophecies were given to us through a man by the name of Isaiah who gives us a very, very clear picture of exactly what it was that Jesus Christ came to do. And so now the angel says, all of those expressions prophetically have been fulfilled in this arrival. He says this, I bring you these good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. Why? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ our Lord. And he begins by telling us that the person who is coming now in flesh is a Savior. He is not a martyr. He's not being put to death as some great example. He is not merely a teacher, though the lessons he taught would give us the direction we need to live lives that are socially appropriate, and our interaction with one another would be the way things should be if we followed it. But that isn't the only reason he came. He didn't come to merely be a prophet who would tell us about future events and would explain about what we could anticipate in the days ahead. No, he was not merely a martyr. He was not merely a, a teacher. He was, he was not merely someone who would give us the desires of our heart as a philanthropist. He wasn't someone who would come just to satisfy the request that we lie and lay before him. He was one who came to be the Savior, to take our sin and bring deliverance and bring freedom. Not only from the punishment that our sin deserves, but He would also bring us freedom. From the gripping power of sin. He would bring us freedom from the punishment that sin would exact. Because he would take the punishment upon himself. And the day is coming for those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That they will even be rescued from the very presence of sin. One of the great realities of being with the Lord forever. Is that the place that he has prepared for us. Is a place in which there is no sin. There will be no death. There will be no sorrow. There will be the enjoyment of our God. We will worship Him. We will serve Him. And we will enjoy Him forever. Unto you is born a Savior who is Christ. The One who was anointed Described in the Old Testament as the Messiah. To you is born a Savior who is Christ the Messiah. The one who had been designated by God the Father. Who came as a man, though he was still God. God the Son. Fully God. Fully man. To take upon himself the form of this flesh. And become obedient unto death, even the death of God. ...of the cross. A Savior who is Christ, the Lord. The very term that's used to describe the deity of our God. He is not anything less than God. And He came to take the sins of the world upon Himself. Anyone less than God could not have done that. A mere man could only die for himself but Jesus Christ took the punishment that we deserve for the whole world. I've got good news for you. It's joyful news. Today is born for you, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And with that announcement, That single angel is suddenly joined by a host of the heavenly realm who speak along with him the words that we read here in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The message that he brought was a message of peace was not a world of peace there was a pagan philosopher by the name of Epictetus and he wrote this about the circumstances of the way life was going in the Roman Empire he said this while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea he is unable to give peace from passion Grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. Man looks for tranquility, man looks for harmony, man looks for quietness, and the world cannot bring that peace. bells on Christmas day their old familiar carols play and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth good will to men and the A choir they're singing. In my heart, I hear them. Peace on earth, good to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth. Hate is strong and much the song And sublime peace on. we have to do is look back over the past week and a half, and we're reminded that there really is not peace that covers the earth. I'm not sure that there's anyone, not only in our own country, but even in far reaches of the globe, that weren't affected by the events that took place in Newtown, Connecticut. That's not peace. And then some of you still have loved ones who are serving in Afghanistan. And the fighting continues and death continues and there's not peace. And then we look at countries such as Syria where there are people who desire freedom but their government refuses to give it to them. And they're fighting in the streets and they're dying in the streets and we say there is no peace. How in the world can an angel say peace on earth? The angel is not speaking about the peace that will cover the earth yet. He is speaking about the peace that can reign in a person's heart because the Prince of Peace has come. When Isaiah wrote, he said, Unto you is born, unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace to our hearts. One day He will bring peace to the earth. But right now, He came to give us peace with God. It's one thing to have enemies that roam the face of the earth, but it would be another thing to die, being at war with God. And that's exactly what the Bible describes our spiritual condition is apart from Jesus Christ. We are at enmity with him. But through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and the embracing of him as our personal Savior, he brings us peace. Peace. Goodwill to men. It was a wonderful message of peace that this angel brought. And it's a very personal message. And as he declared that message, he followed it up with a message of urgency. You'll notice how the shepherds responded in verse 15. When the, uh, when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing "...that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger." This is a message that requires an immediate response. The shepherds went with haste. As you go on and read the, the verses that follow... There was an immediate declaration of the things that they had seen. And that is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian today. To communicate the truth of who Jesus Christ is with urgency. Because there are people who need the Savior. And some of those people may be here today. It may be that you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you've never put your trust in Him. Here's what I can tell you. He came to bring you peace. Peace within your heart. Peace with your Creator. Peace that will last for all eternity. And it's an urgent matter that you trust Him now. The Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians, when the Apostle Paul is writing, he is declaring a message that is to us. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Folks, this is an urgent message. You say, well, I've heard this year after year after year, and I'm an old person, and I've heard it many, many times. Then I want to ask you this question. Has the urgency of that message penetrated your heart yet? If it has not, it is urgent that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now. Right now. Don't delay. You have no idea when you're going to stand before the judge. My prayer is that at this Christmas season, every person in this auditorium would be able to leave here this morning saying this, I believe that Jesus Christ came to be my Savior. And though I am a sinner who deserves condemnation, I repent of that sin. I want my sins forgiven. I want to have a a heart that is in tune with my Creator. I want that emptiness that I feel filled. Nothing else in this world has filled it. But Jesus Christ will. And I turn from my sin and I embrace Christ and I believe that He died for me and that He rose again from the dead and I trust Him as my personal Savior. Would you do that today? Do that for the very first time and trust Christ. You look into the manger. And you ask this question, What child is this? Perhaps you've wandered as you wandered. What child is this? It is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. What a tremendous reality of that announcement that told us who it was that came in that little cradle in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I hope you all know Him as your Savior. Would you stand with me, please? And I would just like to express my appreciation to those who reinforced the, the truths of God's Word today through music. And I appreciate very, very much their involvement with that. And I appreciate your attentiveness today because I know that this is a story that you've heard many times. Maybe if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today will be the first time that you really understood it. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that your word is truth and that we can celebrate at this season of the year such a glorious, wonderful message that the angels brought, that the birth of this little one is the birth of the Prince of Peace. It is the coming in flesh of the eternal God. It is the truth. It is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is the one through whom we can come to you as Father. Father, we rejoice in this time of year and pray that this would be a time of special blessing and encouragement for each one of us here this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a Merry Christmas.